0: Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of child abuse and murder. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In
1: 1984, Florida police officers swarmed the outside of the House of Prayer for All People's Commune. The minute Anna Elizabeth Young heard them outside, she sprang into action.
0: She raced through the house, heading straight for John Neal, who was around eight years old. She couldn't afford to let him talk to the authorities. She grabbed the boy by the collar and dragged him down the hallway.
1: John watched in horror as Anna slid open a secret trap door on the back wall to reveal a hidden compartment. It was just large enough to fit a child. She ordered John to climb inside.
0: Only then did she finally answer the front door, through the wall, John could hear her muffled conversation with the police. If he'd shouted, they might have been able to hear him, but he didn't dare make a sound. He knew what Anna did to children who disobeyed. They were beaten, tortured, killed.
1: Hi, I'm Greg Polson.
0: And I'm Vanessa Richardson.
1: And this is Cults a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of cults and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: Last time, we met Anna Elizabeth Young and explored the beginnings of her cult, the House of Prayer for All People. Anna used religious dogma to establish dominance over her followers, and sadistically punished anyone who stepped out of line.
1: This time, we'll meet more of Anna's congregation. We'll find out what kept them at the commune as the violence escalated. And we'll hear how Anna's crimes finally caught up with her decades later.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Moneymaker. Play the game, and you could win money up to two million dollars. With more than eighty-eight million in prizes, ranging from fifty to five hundred dollars, MoneyMaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly.
0: I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.
1: New season out on Spotify soon. In the span of just a few short months in 1983, 42-year-old Anna Young had done a lot. In September, she founded a religious commune in North Central Florida called the House of Prayer for All People.
0: While they may have lived in relative harmony at first, the situation quickly got out of hand. Anna instituted strict rules and punishments that everyone on the commune had to follow.
1: She had particularly high standards for the kids. No matter how hard they tried to live up to her expectations, they always fell short.
0: Two-year-old Catania Jackson felt the brunt of her discipline more than almost anyone else.
1: It's a mystery as to why Anna specifically targeted Catania. One source speculates it might have been because Catania's mom, Leah Vera Jackson, gave birth to her out of wedlock. That's just a guess, though. Anna could have thrown a dart at a wall to choose her next victim, for all we know. It seemed to come out of nowhere.
0: But that didn't mean her anger wasn't vicious. Anna claimed Catania had a demon inside her. She took it upon herself to get rid of the evil spirit.
1: At first, Anna doled out the punishments herself. In her twisted mind, she believed beating and starving Catania would make her holy.
0: When that didn't work, Anna escalated things and got other members involved. She made them stand in a circle around Catania, chanting the blood of Jesus over and over.
1: Two-year-old Catania had no idea what was going on. She must have been scared and confused.
0: But that didn't stop Anna. The abuse only intensified.
1: On one occasion, Anna enlisted her own daughter Joy, who was around five, and Catania's brother John Neal to help. She told John and Joy to make Catania run in circles. If she stopped, John had to hit her with a stick.
0: Sadly, John followed his instructions to a T. He and Joy saw it like a game. Catania ran and ran. When she paused to catch her breath or cry, her brother swatted her.
1: Young John wanted to believe Anna when she said his sister had a demon inside her. But by his later admission, he knew that wasn't really the case. He just didn't want to get beaten himself. Within a few short months, the House of Prayer seemed to have robbed him of all his compassion.
0: We've discussed before how a lack of empathy can be a sign of antisocial tendencies. But John acted that way because he had no other choice.
1: Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or a psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for this show.
0: Thanks, Greg. Forensic psychologist Joni Johnson met with John and found that his actions were proof that, quote, there are extreme conditions that can extinguish empathy in anyone. John was in pure survival mode, and it affected how he thought. According to the Harvard Business Review, when we feel threatened or devalued, Control of our nervous system shifts from the prefrontal cortex to the sympathetic nervous system, and we move into fight or flight mode. Once the stress response activates, our ability to think things through goes way down. Survival mode narrows our vision to the threat at hand, and we tend to react rather than think through our actions. We'll do whatever it takes to escape from the threat.
1: Clearly, John wasn't to blame. He was only around six years old. All he knew was that if he didn't do what Anna said, she might hurt him instead.
0: The same was true for the rest of the community. No one wanted to disagree with Anna and risk the punishment or their eternal souls.
1: And so the abuse continued. There were more chanting circles, more physical beatings, more days locked in a closet without any food or water.
0: During one of those incidents, Catania started violently seizing. She'd never had a seizure before, So when the episodes kept happening, it was obvious the little girl needed help.
1: But Anna refused to bring her to the hospital. At one point, followers heard the little girl screaming through the walls. Then, all of a sudden, the crying stopped.
0: Eventually, Anna brought Catania to a hospital in Gainesville, about 15 miles away. Doctors raced to save her, but it was too late. Two-year-old Catania died
1: doctors confirmed Catania passed away from a seizure disorder. They noted the bruises all over the girl's legs and feet.
0: Given that she had no history of seizures, the doctors theorized that she'd been abused. That could have been the root cause of the disorder. They reported their findings to the authorities.
1: Back at the commune, Anna broke the news at a group meeting. Catania's death stunned everyone, especially her mother, Lea Vera. She burst into tears, screaming and crying out. Anna hadn't even had the decency to speak with her privately first. Leah found out in front of everyone else.
0: And the horror was just beginning. The authorities investigating Catania's death already had a suspect in mind. And it wasn't Anna. It was Leah Vera.
1: We don't know what Leah said when the cops interrogated her. She likely denied being responsible. But she also must have stopped short of blaming Anna because Leah Vera was arrested, and eventually released without charges. While she was away, her son, six-year-old John Neal, was stuck with Anna.
0: For a time, the arrangement was okay with John. Despite all the abuse, he saw Anna as his real mom. He loved her.
1: But he couldn't escape her harsh punishments. She occasionally physically abused him, just like a sister. But each time, John turned his blame inward. He strove to do better next time and make Mother Anna proud.
0: As we've mentioned, though, no one was safe. On one occasion in 1984, John, who was around eight, was sent to the hospital with a severe scalp infection. While treating him, his doctor noticed scars on his back and got worried. John didn't say anything, but he didn't have to. They looked like lashings. The doctor reported his suspicions to the police.
1: After that, a couple of officers visited the House of Prayer to check out the various cabins on the property. They weren't much to write home about, but Anna always kept them clean and orderly. Overall, it seemed like a nice, pleasant place.
0: Still, the officers followed up with some of the members about John's scars. They didn't get very far. Anna's devotees knew better than to rat her out. They claimed John had gotten scratched up after riding his bike through glass.
1: The authorities didn't buy it. They asked to see John for themselves, but Anna said he wasn't there.
0: Unbeknownst to the officers, John was at home, hiding. Anna had ordered him to stow away in a secret compartment until the police were gone.
1: Eventually, the officers left. It seemed like Anna had dodged a bullet, and that meant things were about to get worse.
0: Coming up, Anna's violence continues. What could be more shocking than uncovering the dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Molly from the podcast series, Conspiracy Theories. Each week, we take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction, revealing that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. The rise and fall of J. Edgar Hoover, 75 years of Roswell, the tragic death of Princess Diana. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may be just outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story.
1: By 1984, 42-year-old Anna Young had complete control over her followers. Even when authorities came right to their doorstep, no one had spilled the truth about the horrific abuse going on at the House of Prayer.
0: Anna was free to continue manipulating and tormenting her disciples. But now she knew better than to get the police or doctors involved.
1: So she kept her violence under wraps for the next two years. During that time, a few followers left the commune, but even more joined in their place.
0: In 1986, one of those members was a baby named Iman Harper.
1: Iman wasn't from Florida or even Georgia. He came all the way from Chicago, about 1,000 miles away from the compound. His mom, 16-year-old Shonda Harper, wasn't ready to care for a child on her own. Her parents encouraged her to let a family friend adopt him.
0: Shonda didn't want to give up her son, but the pressure became too much, and finally she relented. He was sent to live with her mom's friend, Carol Thomas.
1: The new setup seemed fine at first. Shonda could visit Iman whenever she wanted. But then, Carol abruptly moved away.
0: As it turned out, word of Anna's religious sect had traveled far and wide. Carol somehow learned about the commune through the grapevine and wanted to join. So one day, she packed up all her belongings and went down to Florida with her newly adopted son.
1: Once Carol arrived at the remote property, Anna stepped in. Almost immediately, she took baby Iman away. From then on, she called him Moses, that he was hers. She even introduced him to eight-year-old Joy as her new baby brother. Anna fully committed to her fake family.
0: She and her husband, Robert Davidson, welcomed Iman into their family and treated him like their own. For a while, it seemed that maybe Iman, like Joy, would be spared from the worst of Anna's abuses.
1: But the peace didn't last. About a year and a half later, in 1988, Robert went to the local junkyard to fix something on the undercarriage of his pickup. He slid the jack under the vehicle and propped it up. As he was working, the jack suddenly gave out, and the truck crushed him.
0: The medical examiner confirmed the death was a freak accident, and Anna seemed truly devastated. Robert had been her rock for more than two decades. Without him, she was seized by a violent fury, and she turned it on Iman.
1: She fell back to her tried-and-true methods. She starved the boy, ordered the other members to chant at him, and strike him with a stick.
0: According to Joy, after one of those beatings in 1991 or 1992, Anna shoved Iman into a laundry hamper, put him in the closet, and left him there.
1: Later, one of Anna's followers, Sharon Pugh, discovered Iman there. The sight of his bruised and broken body shocked her. But worse than that, he wasn't breathing.
0: She peered closer and saw a giant water bug on the boy's forehead. As it crawled around, Iman didn't so much as flinch. Sharon suddenly realized the truth. He was dead.
1: She panicked. According to her, she ran for her brother, Thomas Pugh. Together, the two cremated Iman's body.
0: Thomas gave a slightly different account. He claimed his dad, O.D. Pugh, woke him up and told him Iman had died. Thomas was so emotional that he went on a walk in the woods, When he returned, he spotted some other members around a burn barrel. He thought they were cremating Iman's remains, though he wasn't sure.
1: Given the conflicting accounts, it's not clear exactly who knew the truth about Iman's death. But Anna certainly tried covering it up.
0: When her daughter Joy, who was around 10, asked where Iman was, Anna told her that he'd gone to live at a monastery to become a priest. He wouldn't be living with them anymore.
1: Joy believed the story. She never questioned her mom. When Anna repeated the same line to the rest of the commune, no one dared contradict her. At least, not out loud. But the seeds of doubt slowly swept through her remaining followers.
0: That included Leah Vera Jackson, the mother of the two-year-old who had died six years earlier. She and her son, John Neal, still lived on the property.
1: It's hard to imagine, but Anna had a strong hold over Leah, just like all her followers.
0: Dr. Stephen Hassan, a former cult member turned cult expert, explained the influence people like Anna had using the BITE method. That's his quick acronym for Behavior, Information, Thought, and Emotional Control. Using those four methods, cult leaders attempt to dominate their followers. Anna started by priming Leavera to behave a certain way. She used intense physical punishment to force her and the other members to act the way she wanted. Then, she moved on to information control, cutting off communication with the outside world and making her words the only ones that mattered. Leah Vera took everything Anna said as though it came from God himself. After that, thought control comes into play. Dr. Hassan explained that this stage involves, quote, "...members internalizing the teachings of the cult and imposing them on themselves."
1: Leah couldn't bring herself to turn her back on Anna and the commune. If said her daughter died because a demon had possessed her, Leah Vera felt that must be the truth.
0: That leads us to the final and perhaps most effective stage, emotional control. According to writer Joseph Sherwood, the primary way that cults control people's emotions is through fear. If you fear that you'll never find happiness or salvation if you don't follow the teachings of the cult, why would you ever doubt?
1: Leah had gone through a powerful indoctrination, but she also had the rare opportunity to work outside the commune. Anna occasionally granted members the opportunity, as long as they kicked all their earnings back to her.
0: By that point, Leah had more than proven her loyalty. If she'd remained in the congregation after doing prison time, Anna wasn't concerned about the outsiders at her job getting into her head.
1: But as it turned out, it wasn't co-workers Anna had to worry about. One day, while on shift, Leah Vera got a phone call. It was from a friend who happened to be a former House of Prayer member. They urged her to leave.
0: The exact details of the call are unknown, but whatever the friend said, it convinced Leah Vera to turn tail and run.
1: She knew she had to do it as soon as possible, though. Otherwise, she'd chicken out. And she couldn't go without her son.
0: So she called her sister and arranged for a late night rendezvous. They agreed to meet out past the House of Prayer property line.
1: Leah tried to calm herself as she drove back to the commune. It must have been terrifying. If she got caught, there was no telling what would happen.
0: Thankfully, the fates were in her favor. No one noticed her as she parked and slipped off toward the residential cabins.
1: Her son John, who was around 12 years old, slept in one of them by himself. She shook him awake and told him they were going to visit his grandmother.
0: John didn't question it. Maybe deep down, he could tell how serious she was. Or perhaps he'd also grown disillusioned by commune life as he got older. Either way, he put on his boots and followed her outside. The two of them snuck through the fields until they got to the edge of the property.
1: Sure enough, Leah Vera's sister was there waiting. They climbed into the car, and she hit the gas. They couldn't get away fast enough.
0: The trio went to John's grandmother's place first. She lived in nearby Gainesville, but it was a little too close for comfort. Leah worried that Anna might be able to find them. So she and John eventually resettled in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Even there, far away from Anna's clutches, Leah and John were too scared to go to the authorities. It was hard enough to resist their urge to return to the compound. They just wanted to live a normal life truly free of Anna Young.
0: They kept their awful experiences to themselves. But back at the commune, things were getting worse. Without anyone left to hold her accountable, Anna's power went to her head. She thought she could get away with just about anything. But all it took was one person speaking up to bring her entire world crashing down.
1: Coming up, Anna faces the music. Now back to the story.
0: By the early 1990s, Anna Young's house of prayer for all people was still going strong. While some members had defected, she quickly found eager replacements. Often misguided parents sent their kids to live with Anna on the commune by themselves.
1: The Nicholsons were one such couple. They'd met a few House of Prayer members at a religious revival meeting and were intrigued. Their daughter, a girl of around 12, who we'll call Helen, struggled in school. They thought she might do better in a small religious community.
0: So they sent her to Anna, who promised to take care of her. Of course, she did the opposite.
1: One day in January, 1992, 50-year-old Anna passed 12-year-old Helen and stopped dead in her tracks. She thought the girl smelled so bad that she ordered her to get in the bath immediately.
0: She wasn't asking for a quick rinse. It was another of her twisted punishments.
1: She gathered up some other followers and instructed them to fill a metal tub with hot water and soap.
0: Together, they held Helen down in the bath while Anna added half a box of laundry detergent and bleach. She said it would purge Helen of the evil inside her.
1: The chemicals burned Helen's skin. She screamed and tried to get out, but it was no use. By the time Anna let her go, blisters and burns covered Helen's skin. The injuries were so bad that Anna tied her to her bedposts so she wouldn't touch her open wounds.
0: Over time, her condition worsened, and Anna worried she might have another death on her hands.
1: So she reluctantly called Helen's parents and told them there had been an accident. The Nicholsons raced to the Florida property. When they saw the shape Helen was in, they immediately brought her to the hospital.
0: The burns left permanent scars, but thankfully, Helen made a full recovery. She had no idea how lucky that made her.
1: As for Anna, calling the Nicholsons proved to be a big mistake. They weren't under her control, and there was no way they'd let her get away with what she'd done to Helen. The couple called the police and filed charges against Anna for child abuse.
0: The local authorities had long suspected something was off at the House of Prayer. Now that they had some cold, hard proof, they reopened the investigation.
1: They started with John Neal's old child abuse case that had gone nowhere. There were also rumors that Anna had convinced a mother to abandon her son in Puerto Rico. The more they investigated, the deeper the rabbit hole went.
0: Meanwhile, Anna already knew what the authorities would find, and she wasn't about to wait for them to come get her.
1: She took her daughter Joy, who was around 14, and went on the run, completely abandoning the commune that she'd worked so hard to build. In her absence, the house of prayer almost immediately dissolved.
0: That was the one saving grace, but authorities still wanted to see Anna brought to justice for what she'd done. They pressed forward with the Nicholson's child abuse charges.
1: Anna was called to court, and since she never showed up for her hearing, the jury convicted her. All the police had to do now was arrest her.
0: But they had to find her first, which was easier said than done. She and Joy went to Georgia first, then Ohio for a bit. There, they hid amongst other church community farms. According to Joy, the places had no questions asked policies. She and her mom were able to stay without ever having to explain themselves.
1: So that's what they did. For nearly nine years, they hid out in these small communities. During that time, the FBI even got involved in the case, yet they still couldn't track her down.
0: Anna's strategy was working, but for one reason or another, she left the farms and returned to Chicago, where she'd once lived with her husband.
1: In November of 2000, the National Enquirer put out a surprise story. The headline read, Help Put These Dangerous Women Behind Bars. It featured Anna.
0: Sure enough, someone called in with a tip. They'd spotted Anna in Illinois. By the end of the month, the FBI had tracked her down. She was going by another name and living in a relative's attic.
1: After nearly nine years, Anna Elizabeth Young was in police custody. They held her for the 1992 child abuse charge. And since she'd already been convicted, she was sent to prison right away.
0: But in the end, she only served six months after all of those years avoiding punishment, she walked free by May of 2001.
1: That could have been the end of our story. After she got out of prison, 59 year old Anna moved to Georgia with Joy, who was around 23. Joy settled into a new life in Atlanta, while Anna found a place in the suburbs.
0: She laid low there for the next 15 years, working as a private nurse for the elderly. She attended church every Sunday, though it appears that she kept her more extreme views to herself. Joy eventually had a son, and Anna became a grandmother. She even remarried. It looked like she'd gotten away clean.
1: Then, in 2017, Joy got into a disagreement with her 15-year-old son. He stormed out and raced off to his grandmother's house, where he knew he'd get a more sympathetic ear.
0: Sure enough, Anna welcomed him inside. If he was fighting with his mom, he could always stay with her for a while.
1: Joy didn't like that. She felt like her 75-year-old mom was undermining her parenting. She went over to confront Anna. The scene quickly escalated into shouting. And soon, Anna grabbed a lamp as if she might hit her daughter.
0: That's when Joy lost it. She screamed at her mom, how can you tell me how to raise my children when you killed two children?
1: The two of them fell silent. In that moment, Joy knew there was no turning back. She'd been so young when Iman and Catania died. For years, she'd almost hoped that she'd imagined them. But looking at her mom's face, she knew it was the truth.
0: A second later, Anna recovered from her shock. She called Joy a liar and screamed at her to get out of her house.
1: Joy ran, but now she'd called her mom a murderer out loud, and she couldn't keep it to herself any longer. Soon after, she called the police and confessed everything. She told them about the beatings, the abuse, and the deaths.
0: The authorities dug into the claims for confirmation. Once they had Joy's confession, they reached out to other former members of the House of Prayer. Some were too afraid to say anything. Others were still devoted to Anna, but a few backed up Joy's account.
1: Sharon Pugh, the daughter of one of Anna's earliest followers, had confirmed Iman Harper died in a closet back in 1992.
0: Then detectives got in contact with John Neal.
1: In the years since he and his mom had escaped the cult, John had grown up and joined the Air Force. Today, he's a big guy, six foot five, strong, brave. And yet, when he spoke about Anna, his voice still shook. He felt ashamed of his role in the ordeal, especially in his little sister Catania's death. But it was time to let go of his secrets. He told the police everything he knew.
0: With his testimony, the authorities wanted to get Anna for the murders of Iman Harper and Catania Jackson, but it took them longer to gather evidence to support the second case.
1: No one wanted to keep waiting. The police knew where Anna lived in Georgia and worried that someone might tip her off if they dragged their feet. They couldn't afford to let her slip away again.
0: So in the late fall of 2017, police swarmed Anna's home and arrested the 75-year-old. They charged her for the death of Iman Harper.
1: Soon afterward, Anna was extradited to Florida, where she pleaded not guilty. The judge deemed her a flight risk, so she remained in jail without bond.
0: When it came time for the trial, some of Anna's stepchildren came to her defense. They didn't live on the compound, so they had a hard time believing Joy's account. They accused her of making everything up out of spite.
1: There were plenty of reasons the rest of the family might have shunned Joy and sided with Anna. Above all, they could have been worried about their reputations. Perhaps they didn't want to admit the truth.
0: But Anna's stepdaughter Sophie was an exception. She'd seen her sister dead in a closet in 1973 and broke from her siblings to share her memory with Joy. From there, it was quickly brought to the police's attention. Soon, FBI agents were interrogating Anna about six-year-old Catherine's disappearance. Anna, however, refused to answer their questions.
1: Her silence wasn't surprising. Her crimes had taken place decades ago, and that made bringing additional charges extremely difficult.
0: For a minute, it seemed like Anna might get away with some, if not all, of her crimes. She just had to wait it out.
1: Since it was a homicide case, preparations already took a long time. Then in 2020, COVID-19 hit, and the entire legal system was backed up. All in all, it took about three years to schedule the trial.
0: During that time, something apparently made Anna think she wouldn't fare so well at her hearing. In February 2021, right before she was due in court, the 79-year-old switched her plea.
1: Instead of a clear not guilty, she pleaded no contest to the second-degree murder of Iman Harper and to manslaughter for the death of Catania Jackson. That meant she accepted responsibility, but not guilt.
0: She gave a statement of admission to the court, though she kept it as brief as possible. She told the judge, quote, Emon Harper and Catania Jackson died. I, Anna Elizabeth Young, am responsible for their deaths.
1: It may not have been ideal, but it was enough for the families. Finally, Anna Elizabeth Young would serve time for her crimes.
0: The judge sentenced her to 30 years. That meant Anna would spend the rest of her life in prison.
1: Whether she got off too easily is up for debate. But in March of 2021, only a month after her conviction, 79-year-old Anna contracted COVID-19 in prison. Not long after that, she died.
0: Anna Elizabeth Young was a destructive, sadistic murderer. She lured vulnerable people into her commune, only to abuse them under the guise of religion.
1: Worst of all, her youngest followers suffered the worst of her abuse. Children who often weren't even old enough to read and write bore the brunt of her violence.
0: She escaped judgment for too many decades, but now the truth of what she did will live on forever. And no matter how many Old Testament verses she spouted, there's no way she found the salvation she was after.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Cults. We'll be back next time with a new episode. For more information on Anna Elizabeth Young, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's report, Mother Anna Unmasked, extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: We'll see you next time
0: cults is a spotify original from parcast it is executive produced by max and ron cutler sound designed by michael motion with production assistance by ron shapiro nick johnson trent williamson and carly madden this episode of cults was written by alex burns edited by robert tyler walker and terrell wells fact-checked by katherine barner researched by brian petrus and chelsea wood and produced by travis clark Cult stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson.